0: Hi there, welcome to Vertical Voice. I'm your host, Robert Taylor. I'm sitting here today with Simon Yearsley. Simon Yearsley uh, is a well-known Scottish winter climber. He's done a lot in the, the Greater Ranges and the Alps as well. I'm here today to pick his brains uh, for you listeners and find out what he's been up to and what he's got planned. Simon, you've got a, a bit of a sore-looking wrist at the moment. Can you tell us the story behind that, please? <laughs>
1: that's a that's a cruel way to start this this interview, Robert. I um, This is a great one for podcasts because visually um my left uh, arm and wrist is a bit of a mess uh, i'm <laughs> i'm giggling because it's embarrassing i've been climbing for 41 years i think and i've i've fallen off lots of things but i've never really hurt myself uh until 10 days ago um on <laughs> on the uh, the well-known hard crag of uh, shepherd's crag in boredale um with to those <laughs> For Those of you who know it, Shepherd's Crag, lovely, really quite relaxed venue, lovely early season, late season rock climbing venue. Um, my partner Malcolm and Malcolm Bass and I were on there, we'd had a great day. I was setting up off uh on Crunchy Frog, which I think has got E1 5B now. At least it wasn't Little Chamonix, that would be embarrassing. Uh, that would have been even more embarrassing yeah. than this. And I, uh, <laughs> I, I got we almost measured it. I think it was 80 centimetres off the ground. <laughs> Less than a metre off the ground. Two steps up. Um, ground sloping away very gently below the below the start of this crag. F- left foot slipped off. Pirouetted around. And dropped. Probably kind of catapulted a couple of metres. Down the hillside into a load of boulders. Left arm outstretched. Um, smacked my head as well. Had my helmet on. Top tip. Always wear your helmet. And... Um, Came to rest at Malcolm's feet and he said, you okay? I said, yeah, I think so. My head hurts a bit. Looked down and my wrist was just in all the wrong oh, places. ouch. So I'm looking down now at my wrist now, which is healing well, but effectively spent three days in Carlisle Hospital, um, having, an open, having an open fracture sorted out um, and plated and mended. Um, so I'm out of action now for the next... Well, five, six, seven, eight weeks. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, I
0: mean, if there were ever a winter season, to have to miss the tail end of it, it would be this one, wouldn't
1: it? it it's it's not been a bum for a year, has it? It's not been the best. Um, I have this theory about winter seasons, that the conditions <laughs> and the season is kind of what it's going to be. And, you know, obviously we can't do anything about it. But, no, you know, no, all the um, make the most of it. We can make the most of it. And, you know, we, I see a lot of people um, comparing seasons and... and Bemoaning the fact you just that it have to get on, get on with the rock climbing or exactly. whatever, it's whatever yeah. else is available. It's there. And that's what we were doing ten days ago down in the lakes. Um, it was lovely, you know. Should it, we should have been high on the bend somewhere, or well, you know, getting some nice, uh, nice plastic ice in? Um, instead, it was bits of metal put into my wrist. Wow. But
0: what have you managed this season?
1: Uh, it's been an okay winter season. Um, did oh, what have we done? Um, had a wonder. i had a superb and beautiful day one of the best mm-hmm. days i've ever had we did um uh, Blood buttress on uh duloch on beneavu oh nice it, we didn 't do one. it 's a long approach and it's it was one of those days Robert, where again it 's with malcolm we set off um we had bikes uh did we you actually, from leevdy we went from uh no we went from um the um uh, what's the house? Uh, Invercold Went from Invercold, Invercold yeah, and cycling road there. Then. And we had we had e-bikes, which oh. was really cool. Is this,
0: is this a new top tip for the winter warrior? This is
1: this is if you can get hold of them, man, they are awesome. We borrowed a couple from my um, good pal Adam, who runs Progression Bikes in uh, in Dunkeld. And it was we giggled the whole way in. It felt like we were, we were cheating. I've heard because it
0: described it's, as it's like you plus ten percent.
1: Oh, that? easily. Oh, brilliant. I mean, it saved us... Especially with a rack and ropes on your back. You know, that's going to be a lot nicer. With the whole thing, it saved us probably 20 minutes of actual cycling time. Versus normal cycling. Versus, versus normal cycling. Right, that is significant. But also the effort. When we got off the bikes, we weren't trashed. You know, we weren't... Or we weren't kind of, you know, uh, didn't feel tired. I felt mm. a little bit tired, but not tired at all, really. Um, so, yeah, it was good, good fun. Um, but the point about that I think it was one of one of the one of the best days out that we've had in winter for a long time. Didn't see a soul all day. You're hardly going to see a soul on.
0: Oh, that's sort of. I mean, January. the moment you go yeah. more than about an hour or an hour and a half from the car, you just don't see people. It's, it's great. It's
1: phenomenal. Um, the route was in perfect winter conditions. Rod Haynes, what does that go up? Uh, six, seven. Six, seven. Um so, so not mega
0: hard, but just a nice challenging kind of...
1: Not mega hard interesting um really interesting history to it i think mm-hmm. it was first done in winter with about eight or nine points of aid um those were whittled down quite quickly um mm-hmm. so it's history long history of all sorts of folk having to go to. yeah but a beautiful buttress middle of nowhere um stunning scenery. One, one of those days when it was perfect conditions no wind crystal clear skies and we, we were racking up underneath the um underneath the crag, and, and Malcolm said, oh no, That's just completely, completely spoilt the whole day, and I was like, I, I was like, what, looking out, I couldn't see what the Did problem was. you forget his jelly babies or something? No, he said, that little bit of wind I just felt on my <laughs> cheek, <laughs> but it was, yeah. it was a stunning, beautiful day, Wonderful. an amazing walkout, great climbing, good company, cool. you know. Um, Things like that are just that, fantastic, aren't they? Beautiful, beautiful, everything that Scottish winter should be, really.
0: Yeah, yeah, I it, when it's at its best it is just the best thing. Um you've done you've done a lot of Scottish winter. Um on your athlete's sort of bio page with Montaigne, it uh, mentions a few things. For example, your triptych of new routes on Ben Ban. Yeah. And Ben Ban, that's another remote, remote and cool crag. It's
1: it's I think Ben Van is one of it's an it's an incredible cliff. And when you i I was first inspired to go and go there by mm. cold climbs. Yeah, uh, things like,
0: and, uh what's the what's the coal Climbs one that's uh,
1: uh, There's March Hares and Mad Hatters gullies. Yes, uh, mm-hmm. and Der Band, which is in the next Corrie round. But in Corner Point, there's March Hare, um, there is uh, Mad Hatters, and there's also Wall of the Early Morning Light. That is right
0: a there. that is a big kind of stepped sandstone
1: wall, isn't it? It's an amazing Gorgeous. place. It's a thousand foot, you know, it's over three hundred metres. It's ridiculous, 314, isn't it? and you're, you really feel meters.
0: this. You know that big Corrie, the one that's really kind of cool and featured. Yeah i'd love to go up there and just go
1: for a swim it is i i went up there uh a few few summers ago Mm -hmm. um on my nicked my son's mountain bike uh and cycled up into quite far it was really great and there's some amazing tracks and some amazing well not trails but some amazing uh, bits of mountain biking but as a winter venue it's it's stunning Mm. and it needs good conditions. It's only 500 metres. Uh, have, you, you have, have you done
0: Gully of the Gods?
1: No. No, not would done like the Gully of I love to do it. It looks really, really good. I went in to
0: do that this last yeah. winter. Yeah. And the first part of it, like the first 12 metres maybe, yeah. would have been dry tooling, so it didn't yeah. feel like it would be okay.
1: I, I, I think with Gully of the Gods, something has happened potentially to the drainage oh, at the top no. part of it. I'm trying to draw diagrams because there, there was ice
0: might. on the left wall but nothing at the back and nothing yeah. at the very bottom
1: I think when it was when it was first done uh, when Mick Fowler first did it way back when
0: another guy who'd be really good to interview he Heather, would an be great him.
1: guy you would have great fun talking to Mick um, don't believe everything he says uh, in the nicest possible way okay, okay. Um, <laughs> he didn't but, lie about doing the first Ascent of Gully of the Gold no so. not at all no he's just a, oh, a great storyteller great storyteller excellent um no, but I think with Gully of the Gods, the, the whole uh, of that, the whole of the cliff area around Ben, uh, ben Barn is sandstone. Yeah. Um, if you look at the top of the cliff uh, of that area, there are some huge, big crack lines in the, in the ground uh, and the structure of the cliff, yeah. uh, At the top of the cliff. And I, I have a theory that some of the drainage lines might have shifted slightly. Yeah, it the top take of Gully, much the good gods, and you know it's sandstone, it's blocky, yeah. and it could just move around a little bit, and so it doesn't get as much ice as it as it maybe. That's it used interesting, to. Um, but it's a superb line, absolutely. Oh, superb. It's,
0: it's such a. I mean, standing yeah. underneath it was wonderful yeah. just to see it. But then we ended up traversing off and went to the next quarry round, and we got on a wee route called Dormouse Chimney. Oh right, yeah, nice yeah, I know that. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. Have you done yeah, that one? Yeah, I've
1: done that. It's Is that great. One, I don't think I've that really comes really
0: in all that often. No,
1: it doesn't. And we got it. It was
0: gorgeous. Like you could see it from across the quarry. It was like. Sea Blue Ice. Yeah. It's perfect line. And it was such a great me consolation prize. I don't think we even minded it. Was it in the sun? Um, in no, the actually, sun. it was just sheltered from the sun. Right. Anyway, so back to your, your triptych of new routes on Ben Ba.
1: Yeah. So so I was inspired by Cold Climbs, uh, mm-hmm. by the book Cold Climbs. It's not hard to be inspired uh, by Cold it's Climbs. It's a wonderful It's a really route. great uh, book. And I've even got my my photograph in that on in one of the lakes uh one of the lakes routes it's i'm the climber in there that's cool um not a particularly good route but anyway no so the if you look at that uh there's a page in in cold climbs where it shows the buttress between mad hatter's uh gully and march hares gully Mm -hmm. and i think it mentions in the text that mad hatter's gully on the right march hares on the left whichever way around they are with an unclimbed buttress in between and you look at that buttress. And it's inc- it looks just superb. And we'd never been, again, I was climbing with Malcolm and a couple of others, we'd never been up to Ben Barn mm-hmm. um, back in 1998, that kind of time. We mm-hmm. thought, well, let's go and have a look. And our idea had been to try and do a route starting directly at the top of that buttress and just boom, just climb, try and, uh, climb as direct a route as possible. Yeah, I see what it takes. Um, but the problem, of course, with any sandstone, uh, in winter is you get uh, lots of horizontal ledges yep. with, which are nice cosy places to be great right places yeah, to be like, good belay yeah. ledges and, and the world feels it's great the windows are the problem though isn't it exactly, there's heinous steep walls in between so we were kind of a little bit concerned how much zigzagging yes. we might have to we might have to do um, anyway we went up there because the cracks it, between one buttress and the next or one step and the next very
0: rarely align exactly, they? you often have it's to move totally left
1: and right yeah um, but we, so we went there and it was again another one of those amazing days. In fact, all the routes we've done on Ben Varna have been superb. We, we started at the bottom, right at the very toe of the buttress. And six, seven, eight hours later, um, we'd climbed a 350 meter route. Wow. Oh, that's uh, so and good. it went to 6'6. 6'6. So pretty amenable, actually. What's so, that route called? Sorry? What's that route called? Uh, it's called Realization. Realization. The, the idea Lonely. there was we think quite carefully about. Route names, yes, uh, for new routes that we've done. But the idea where there was a lot of the themes of Corinna Point on Barn are all to do with um, fairy tale, with um, you know, with the kind of um, surreal themes. Um, I like that
0: that you get like sections that are named after a particular thing. There's a bit of a theme running, and it makes people think a bit about route names. I I really like that. It often tells you a bit about the history of the route as well. Absolutely does. And we'd
1: been you know, thinking for years and years about doing a line on this buttress. Yeah. And then eventually we realised our, our dream of doing it. It's definitely three stars. That's super. It should be a modern classic. Well, it is a modern classic. It's been mm-hmm. repeated two or three times now. That's what uh, makes it a lot. It's funny how often, better. like, a lot of these
0: routes get very few repeats. Yeah. Ones that are maybe slightly more remote or don't come in all that often, that tends to that tends to whittle it down a bit. Yeah.
1: Can... I mean, it, it does. I mean, We'll come back to a couple of those other routes, but just yeah. on that point about repeats, I think we've got to realise in Scotland about eighty mm-hmm. percent of the climbing in Scotland in winter yeah. is done in one of three locations: Snaefell, so it's, so rocker, it's a northern corries, so the, the Ben, and up until recently, Meggy was really, really popular. Meggie seems to have dropped out. Dropped of off energy. a wee
0: Maybe bit. it hasn't been coming in as much.
1: But if you think of, you know, that's where. Did some work with, with UKC some years ago, just looking at um, numbers of, of routes done in certain areas. 80-85% of the winter climbs recorded on UKC. Now, that, that's... It, a, it gives you a broad yeah, idea, though, doesn't it? It gives you an idea for it. Yeah. We're done on, on one of those on one of those three locations. And that's that means that... That the, means that there's UK, a huge...
0: Else. You've got, like, 80% of the climbing is only getting 20% of the attention. Absolutely.
1: So, you know, it's fairly... Uh, it's not unsurprising that... Uh, routes outside of those areas get little traffic. It's mm-hmm. un, not unsurprising that newer routes, which maybe aren't in the guidebook that everybody's got, yeah. outside of those areas get even fewer. Even at,
0: fewer. at least, I mean, yeah. if it were a rock climb, it would get dirty and stuff and things would grow on it. Yeah. But a winter climb, that's almost
1: desirable. Absolutely. That's kind of nice, that. Yeah. So a realisation, a definite. So, so that was the first one, Realisation. We went back and um, to the left, to, sorry to the right of realization, is a big series of icefalls on the buttress lowdown, mm-hmm. and we were convinced we'd be able to link some of these icefalls. Convinced that the icefalls would form, uh, and we'd be able to link through to the top of them and stay independent of uh, one of the route on there um, in its top in its upper half. And we went; I think it was late Mar- mid March, mm-hmm. um, and again Malcolm and I were up there. We went to do, we started, uh, started at the bottom, of it. all the icefalls were in at the bottom. They were a bit sketchy. and they Does were, it get the sun? Uh, it will get the sun much later in the season, yeah. Ah, okay. Because um, when I was there in April, I noticed that
0: the sun was very much on the icefalls that had formed. And they were starting to fall down, hence why we didn't go up those ones. A
1: sensible call. That's yeah, probably exactly. on the back wall of Corona Point. Uh, we're still on the main buttress in the centre right, centre left of the quarry, mm-hmm. um, where these roots are. Um, the walls of uh, wall of the early morning light and all the big ice roots are further around to the yeah. uh, further around to the right, and they get a bit more sun. But we'd started off on this thing, and there's a wonderful story about we we called it Wonderland, and again it's that kind of that same talk theme, yeah. about Alice in Wonderland and Wonderland all the rest of it. And the reason, one of the reasons we called it Wonderland. And I've told this story to people before, but we—I think we we're about five pitches up, and we'd cracked the last hard pitch. After about five pitches, the buttress angles back a little bit. It's much easier ground. It's grade three, grade four, and you kind of know the roots in the bag. Yeah, it's getting We crested the, uh, the the final wall. Malcolm had brought—I can't remember who led it, but anyway—we're on the the snow, the nice big ledge, and uh, we climbed it in the dark, and. We were just racking gear and everything and we're standing on this ledge and then we noticed that round the corner of the buttress, looking out to the west, was this huge, huge moon. And this moon just drifted slowly round until it just enveloped and bathed the whole of this buttress in in the most magical, full, full moon. And we just switched our torches off. Oh yeah. and climb the last, the last kind of three, maybe three oh, and a half, four. I picture. love that when it's such a bright moon that you get, you know, an actual distinct shadow, and you oh, can see everything. Just stunning, man! And we got to the top, and we were whooping. And the and the top of the uh, the top of Ben For those who know it, it's quite um, it's quite a big plateau area, nice flat area, beautiful views out um to the west and the Western Isles. And again, no, you know, beautiful moonlit night. Um, no, uh, no clouds around and this incredible um, shine and sheen off these sparkly crystal formations of the snow. And we were just laughing and shouting and giggling and, and whooping as we walked off. And so we had to call it something pretty impressive. So Wonderland was... Uh, it's a great route. It's a really nice route. That's super. Um, and the, the third one? The third what was... was uh, the the we were getting a bit obsessed by... Um, well, once by you've had two
0: experiences like yeah. that, it's definitely understandable. You'd want to go um, back... And-
1: and I think at that point, um, my parley in Parnell said, oh, you and, ba- you and Bass, you and Malcolm Bass, you bloody own that buttress. And we're like, yeah, get it." It's in, ours, yeah. <laughs> so we went back and did a, a route further to the left uh, on there, which uh, was probably not the last independent line you can do, but the last, the big independent lines on there. Mm-hmm. Um, bit bit harder, bit bold. I think this went at 7-7. Seven, seven. Um, we called it Haiga, which is the name... For the rabbit uh, in Alice in Wonderland. Uh, oh, right. If you read the early books of Rab- uh, Alice in Wonderland, that's quite cool. Uh, the rabbit is called Higer. But again, all done on wonderful days. I mean, we to be honest, we picked our days carefully for that because it's not really the place it's you want to go when it's not
0: a nice you day. Yeah, when it's not
1: a nice day or when it's not it's marginal condition. So we waited a long time, and you know, there's more to do there as well. Good
0: there's things come to, to those who wait. Yeah. So is that something you'd recommend that people want? Got fancy a go to new routing in? Ben van's no. a place to do it. No, definitely don't go there at all. Don't go there. There's no, definitely finished. don't go there. there. So no more Finished, no more lines finished. there to do
1: at all. At all. <laughs> uh,
0: another thing that you mentioned on that uh, bio page for, with Montaigne was, one of your, it was a list of your high points and things you're pleased with. And one of those was repeated failure to do a new route on <laughs> far tall.
1: So, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, winter climbing is a vicious and bitter game sometimes. But a lot of the
0: time, it's the failures are kind of as rewarding as the successes in some ways. I,
1: I think you're right, Robert. And I think for, for me, winter climbing is so, especially in Scotland, is so all-encompassing, and in some levels, so so hard to describe to yeah. people who either don't climb or don't climb a lot in winter or only climb, you know, things within their their easy within their limits right. and don't try new. It's new routing in Scotland. It's an amazing thing because when it works, it is, I think, one of the most rewarding can be one mm-hmm. of the most rewarding sports. But it we we often as a winter climbing community we don't talk a lot about our failures, of on new routes no. because sometimes you know a lot of the time... you don't we, want
0: someone to go and approach your project exactly.
1: There is that kind of um, that that trying to keep it a bit of a closed secret. Yeah. Um, Malcolm and I had. Uh, been oh, i have lost count, I think it's about six goes five or six attempts to uh do the first winter ascent um of Sherlock mm-hmm. on Manraken but just on foot all. And So where
0: is where is that? So you I kinda have of, always got off the train at Achanishaloch. Okay. And then walked up into that glen there. Fartal's on your left.
1: Yeah, Fartal's fart so on your left. you go, your, you go quite
0: left. far past it and then come back a wee bit almost?
1: No, bit. You're, you're basically on the the slightly further round side of that mountain. Right. So Manraecon is, you can actually see Manraecon buttress from the road oh, um, right. further along towards Loch Caron, uh which is why Martin Moran's done so much. Ah, okay, uh, yeah. He can drive 10 minutes down the road, get his binoculars out and Good see knowledge. if Nick. Um, don't have that luxury. It's a three and a half hour drive from here. Um, but you can also approach it from slightly further along the road towards Loch Karen and go up over the over the top up to the col. But Manraken is an amazing buttress, again it's sandstone, um, it, it kind of sits up above, slightly up above the ridgeline. Um, certain areas of it are very different in terms of how it gets into winter condition than other areas of the cliff, it's quite a small crag um, in terms of overall area. But it has distinct facets, distinct uh, different facing edges to it. Um and we'd been obsessed by the idea of the first winter scent of Sherlock. We got uh, So what made uh,
0: does Sherlock get in summer?
1: Uh VS, which is kind of Scottish ish yeah. VS. And this has a bit of everything in it. It has some Exciting. chimneys, it has some oh, crack brilliant. lines, it has some has all sorts of things in it. I mean we've had I think between us Malcolm had about Malcolm and I have had about six attempts at it. Um, That's cool. one included involved Malcolm with up pal poor fig Malcolm falling off, virtually destroying his ankle oh. taking five hours to walk back down to the car oh God. Um, us having one attempt where I spent I think two hours two and a half hours trying to lead this really steep wall um, which was our high point um, couldn't get up this thing, repeated failures to get up here. Um, I've abselled off that cliff more times than, than I would really want to. So the Belay's uh, in situ, then? The Belay, well, they were um, until after we'd attempted it um, in Small. Um, and um, oh, my brain is getting so mushed with age. Um, and Guy, uh, Guy Robertson, Robertson went and did it. Uh, and they did the first winter ascent of it and it got 8-8. Eight, oh. eight, and they described this steep little black wall as being the crux of it which I'd spent a couple of hours trying not to climb or trying to climb it but not not succeeding um it's still cool so to have been a part
0: of that process though it
1: it is it is and in fact I think I uh, I wrote after our last failure on it um I wrote to Simon Richardson um and the late great Andy Nisbet um, just saying to them we don 't talk enough about our failures, um, yeah yeah,
0: and although we, with and for example Andy and simon i 'm guessing yeah. it 's also you know they don 't want to give away their their projects i mean i think I know that Andy yeah. was at the time was very very sad death, well over a thousand, yeah, and Simon is over six hundred yeah easily so i mean that's but between those two men that is an outrageously <laughs> large contribution isn 't it
1: i think it 's interesting because I think in any their contribution between them to the sport is phenomenal in terms of yeah. volumes of of. It's hard to It's hard to really describe um, it, and and I think any sport will always will always have people who stand out mm-hmm. like that, not necessarily for doing the hardest at but any for one sheer time. volume and sheer volume, It has sheer... to be driven
0: by just a total love of what they're doing.
1: It's it's love. It's commitment. It, it's. Um, uh, it's obsession you know yeah. both in a positive way and maybe a negative way I as well remember. i
0: was at Fake do not yeah. actually it was about maybe a month and a half before andy died yeah and you can tell that he started off with straight shafted tools and he's been climbing <laughs> just constantly because his yeah. hands were an absolute state
1: yeah
0: i mean those have been bashed off more granite and more yeah. ice and more sandstone than probably any pair of hands in history yeah i think it's in.
1: i could talk all day about People like Andy, he was a real inspiration to to me, and I I was privileged enough to do a few new routes with him oh, in that's summer nice. and winter. Um, a bit. um We did a couple of routes in in summer on the back of Achnechalak. Oh, sorry, On a route a crowd called Junction Buttress. What is that? Because
0: I've only I've only climbed. Actually, I haven't climbed it, Anchalach. It's, it's
1: not actually on Ancala. It's around the back of Ancala. So okay. you go to the bothy, keep walking away from Ancala for about Geneva, five and a half days. Yeah, yeah well, it
0: feels like five and a half. <laughs>
1: It It's a long day out. You really um, are a
0: remote country there.
1: But that was that was in oh, five six years ago. Uh, it's in the middle of a drought. It was convinced it'd be dry. It was. we <laughs> uh, in there with uh, Duncan Tunstall, and it was good fun. Um, and a few wee interrupts as well. Nothing nothing massive and special. Still, that's um, that's a good memory to have. But some really, yeah, and he was. I mean, lots of things have been written about Andy, probably far more eloquent than I can talk here. But I I love the guy because of his love of what he did and what came out in yeah. in all of his obsession and all of his energy was he loved being in the mountains in yeah. Scotland in winter. Such a, such a distinctive
0: character as well. Yeah. He's got the massive shaggy beard yeah. and a kind of honey monster Absolutely. appearance. Yeah. The number of times I've, I've had, had friends say, oh, we've lost on such and such a buttress and this guy appeared down climbing some grade four. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. turned out to be Andy and he puts them on their way and says, oh, absolutely. you need to be three metres to the right. Yeah. He'll Very live nice. long and he'll he live on long. long a public and a, consciousness. will, absolutely. And a real tragic... Deservedly so. Yeah,
1: a real tragic loss to, to, yeah. to, to
0: Scottish winter. Did yeah. they ever work out exactly what happened there with the, with the um,
1: incident? No, I mean, I, I think my understanding of it is the best... Uh, interpretation is that they were probably moving together yeah um at after dif- difficulties um they were roped together um but there was no intermediate gear placement oh. gear on the rope so they were probably moving together on easy ground towards the top but you know why they fell nobody will ever know i mean i i prefer to remember them from what they what they did and their, yeah. their you know both of their both andy and steve's you know amazing contribution to it the you know their their commitment to the sport as well yes. and his funeral there were oh, sharp sharp four hundred people you know um, it's a real testament to a man that absolutely absolutely is um how did we get on that um,
0: uh, talking about new routes. yeah um repeated failure and then, uh, failure
1: yeah. yeah so you know fa- fa- failure is an integral part of of yes it. And, absolutely. And I think being able and I'm 56 years old, I've been climbing, you know, for 40-odd years, mm-hmm. and I've failed on an awful lot of things, be they small boulder problems, uh-huh. be they, you know, a project I was projecting at the Perth climbing wall, or be they, you know, big Himalayan objectives or Scottish winter objectives. And one of the things I try and do is 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 do a little bit of understanding and a little bit of reflection, a little bit of thinking back about those failures and mm-hmm. thinking, well, why, you know, why did we fail on something? And and what can we learn from that? Um, and, you know, because for me, something like winter climbing, especially in Scotland, is, as I say, it's so um, involved. And to do it at a reasonably hard level and to do it at a reasonably exploratory level, you have to commit so much of your time, your effort, your relationships, your yeah. work, all the rest of it. In there, Almost to forget the failure bit seems a bit silly, you know, because they can give you Absolutely, a, yeah. a huge um volume of of knowledge and learning about your own climbing and about yourself as well where are we now two two seasons ago uh, myself and uh malcolm and um neil silver uh were trying to climb um the north face of triglav uh in slovenia in winter it's the Caucasus. Uh, no it's in the kind of slovenian alps oh right okay um, sorry yeah and, it looks, I know. It's quite a very
0: pointy, cool mountain trail, isn't it? Uh, it's a beautiful mountain.
1: And how was uh, the walk
0: there? Because I've heard uh, it's a wee bit chossy in the Slovenian Alps. It's,
1: it was okay. It's limestone. It was winter, okay. so most of it was glued together. Perfect. Um, long story short, we 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 failed. Mm-hmm. And I've put on a personal level have spent probably the last year and a half reflecting long and hard on on why we. On why we failed and what my part in that failure was. Um, in a, in a, and a nutshell, what is that? Um, oh, uh, I, for the first time in my climbing career, felt deeply uneasy about where, being where we were. You
0: just got a bad gut feeling. I
1: got a really bad gut feeling. See, and sometimes sometimes you, you really need to listen to that, don't you? Yeah, sometimes you do. And in this... Anyway, it's probably several, several hours of conversation about, about it. But, yeah, I mean, that's a but huge But basically subject. in this, I, I looking back now, I've learned a lot from that. And I actually think my judgment call was the wrong call. Um, that's quite hard that to admit. Absolutely it is. Absolutely it is. Because you know, if you retreat off
0: something and you say, oh, I did the right thing, then you kind of get away with it. You know, Congratulations, yeah. you did the right thing. But to yeah. say, oh, I, had, I came off something, I really should have kept going. That's yeah. significantly harder to do in terms of, like, squaring it with your own ego and your own uh, And
1: perception. with your partners as well. Yes, And with the common partners there. that you're with as well. Um, but you've, you've
0: climbed with uh, Malcolm so much, I'm guessing, yeah. there's pretty much nothing you guys don't know about one another.
1: Um, it's probably about right, yeah. That's we, quite cool. We, did, um, we recently did a, an interview for UKC, the Perfect Partners. I've, I've um, enjoyed those. Those have been a good, uh, good were, series, actually. They were quite good, and we, we approached that. You know, we were given the questions... And we thought, let's kind of do this, let's do this separately. So we each yeah. wrote our own answer, you know, because you, you give them the questions and you write your answers um, to them. And then they go through an editing process. But we were, we said, we'll do them separately. So we wrote our answers yeah. to these to the, separately. And then we shared them with each other with the, the understanding that we had. Um the right of we had the right of veto if there was a factual something factually incorrect. Yeah, that's what really like, you know, we met in nineteen eighty-two when it was nineteen ninety-seven, yeah. whatever, you know, so it was a date that was wrong or something like that. And we also gave, gave each other, I think, two rights of veto if there was anything we really, really didn't want the other person. Yeah, like to do not that. tell like, people yeah, that I'll never like be that. invited don't to, to <laughs> another party again. Um, and it was a lovely process, um, because we wrote them separately, we then shared them. We'd got most of our facts about each other correct, yeah. and there wasn't anything that we wanted to change about each other's answers. That is nice, and it was quite a quite a strangely emotional thing to go through uh, of of being asked these questions about somebody you've climbed with for you know thirty odd years and spent a, a large you know some significant moments in your life with. Yeah. Um, so yeah, climbing partnerships are wonderful things, and Malcolm is an amazing. It's an amazing character in his own. You should get him. You should. You should talk to Malcolm. He lives in Mornby in North Yorkshire. Okay, maybe um, one for when I'm off down at Clement at the Grit. Yeah, so he's, he's a, oh, a lovely guy, um, very eloquent speaker, very hugely knowledgeable. He's, about he's a pretty
0: high up in the NHS, a clinical psychologist. He's a clinical psychologist, yeah. His, his Twitter is quite interesting, actually. Yeah. One of the things he tweeted recently was on something about jokes and how they help, help us cope with adversity yeah. and how they help us cope with uh, grim situations. And anyone who's been winter climbing yeah. will understand that. Absolutely.
1: There are M- M- Malcolm's Malcolm's mind is a wonderful and strange thing, yeah. um, and he touches on a lot of points of um, absolute uh, realism and clarity um, very often in what he in what he says, which is one of the reasons I like I love love climbing. That's pretty cool, yeah. Um, and he's you know very good prof- professional at what he does, you know. Um, and he's you know we we talk nonsense when we when we're climbing uh, together, you know we we. we <laughs> We were climbing with with our friend Helen um, several years ago. when We first started climbing with Helen, and I said to um, uh, to Malcolm, "We're talking about belay jacket." and uh, And I said, "Can you pass me the Kenneth, please?" and And Helen said, "The what?" And I said, "I meant the belay jacket." And she said, "Why do you call it a Kenneth?" And there, <laughs> it's like a, a really, band. really long story yeah. as to why the word belay jacket got to be called a Kenneth. And a proud love and and it's too long to go into now, but yeah. we've we've climbed with each other for so long and a lot I guess a lot of other partnerships out there listening to this will, I think a lot of people will get see that, that. they'll they'll have their own little language that they that they develop it's and based their own to, like, like jokes. Shared, shared yeah.
0: cultural touch yeah,
1: absolutely and, yeah. you know my, uh, Malcolm is my main climbing partner. Yeah. Um you know there's people like Neil Neil Silver that we climb with a lot recently. Paul Did he Fick. take the piss when you broke your wrist? Oh when absolutely. You... Yeah. yeah, good yeah. good I'd hope A Little so. bit of little bit of um uh well Helen's a good example. Helen took the piss more remorsefully really? but she also sent me a little teddy card as well. Oh. Uh, yeah, it's, well it's that card. mix isn't so it? There's so like
0: mix. genuine caring but also yeah. love of like dark humor. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and you know I think we have to have a you know, the dark humour bit, because what we do is, is intrinsically dangerous. Yeah. On the um, subject of things that are yeah.
0: intrinsically dangerous, alpinism.
1: Actually, before we go on to that, what you said earlier
0: about the winter climbing community maybe doesn't communicate that failure is important and mm-hmm. failure is good. Another thing is, I think a lot of the winter climbing community, not at the kind of higher grades, but at sort of lower grades, are guilty of making winter climbing sound less fun than it is.
1: I, I, I think you're right. And I think... Um, I think that's quite easy to see through, though. When you know, I think it's. I it, think so it's very it's often. Shallow. It's like the um, third,
0: third year, fourth year guys at the uni club, yeah, telling the like first, second, third year guys and girls, girls yeah. in particular, because they're trying to impress them. Oh, we're right in this total blizzard. It was, yeah. yeah.
1: But it, it's, you know, it is. It it is a sport where, when it's grim. It is actually really, really, really it's grim. Potentially. And it... when it's when it's blowing an absolute hoolie, when you're completely knackered, you're still three pitches, you know, from the top Ooh. of something, you're pushing your limit, um, you've got wet and cold as well as just cold, you've you've worried about or have a concern in the back of your head about getting Did I off the my mountain. Head torch? Do I... Um all of those things, it, it, it can be grim grim it's easy to describe it in a grim way oh, yes. um but actually i find a lot of people who perform well at winter climbing really excel in those moments so they enjoy that you've got to really dig deep you just yeah. have to
0: dig deep button your jacket and go yeah
1: because when you know people often say the most common one is cold people say well don't you get really cold winter climbing well <laughs> cool because i'm doing pull-ups <laughs> yeah the, the 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 number of times you might get a little bit of cheek area on your face if you've got goggles yeah. on and a, and but assuming a bath, you've got a decent but kit if you've got the decent kit then you're not often getting really really cold yeah you're getting massive hot aches you know uh, every so often but it, it is easy to describe I think in a very as it being grim and it being hard and it being a little bit macho and all the rest of it yeah. but, but I think certainly for me I find it quite easy to, to see that to see when people are describing it like that but you know, equally, it's up to each individual if they if they want to describe Certainly, it like yeah. that. That's entirely up to them.
0: This is another yeah. thing that uh, Twight yeah. wrote about, it and he said that he would describe, he would write an article after he came back from a big climb, and his would be like, you know, oh, we stared into the face of death, and we, yeah. he's all these references with dark punk rock songs, yeah. and then one of his partners would describe it, in a to- and it sounds like they were on two totally different yeah. climbs psychologically, yeah. Yeah. although yeah. they were on exactly the same ground.
1: Yeah, and it is. It's easy to, but but that's the part of the beauty of any. I think of any sport where you're putting yourself in a, and I use the word extreme environment, I mean a different environment. Yes. So an environment that, you know, alien and and um, very different to what people, the bulk of normal people do in their normal daily daily lives. Yeah. When you're in a different environment like that, I think you you, you almost have a duty to describe it carefully. I um, and, and if you want to describe it in a, in a, in a glib macho way, that's great. But that's how you are describing it, Aye. and that maybe not actually how it, oh, it how it is. Yeah, you know? there's a there's a piece somewhere that I think has yet to be written about or described, which is for me is about the f- the focus of attention that hard exploratory mm. winter climbing gives you, Go and on. an example there would be. You know you you you're trying a new route somewhere and it, there's something about there's something more focused of it if it is a new route. but you know we know that our is that because you're not referring back to a
0: guidebook you're you're looking and you're totally focused on what's in front of you you're not thinking back to oh well it said there was a weak flake or something
1: exactly you know you're on ground that nobody's climbed before uh, in in those in, in, in winter yeah and you're using tools of your trade that nobody's used there before so you're using axes and crampons yeah and so where you have that well sharpened pick of your nomic or whatever axe you've got sometimes you get the situation where you've pulled up on something or you've scratched around in in, above Mm -hmm. you you've got you felt an edge somewhere you pulled up and what you're doing is you're having to focus 100% of keeping your wrist in exactly that stable position because that's
0: the position you know works
1: that's the position you know works you're moving up you're moving your whole body weight kind of around it you're looking and focusing then and you get the opportunity to see where that nomic is holding on a tiny little crystal and and that's what's holding you on and then you've got to shift your attention maybe your shift your hip bit. weight maybe your body weight and find the next hole and there is something incredible i think about the sport that we do as winter climbers where you're Sometimes survival that sounds a bit grand, but your 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 imminent level of comfort is all dependent on that one bit of metal that is three inches from your nose, holding on that tiny little crystal of of granite or of whatever and when you f- when you look at that and you focus on, I think that's just a really really powerful thing and a really powerful experience and i I haven't come across any other experiences like that where you can and almost you have to give it that degree of attention and focus to keep everything stable but you're you're eyeballing the thing that is keeping you on this planet all your senses are <laughs> you
0: 100
1: and everything's focused in on it and then five minutes later you're you're cracking the bizarre jokes you know with your, yeah. your mate or you're looking around a at a beautiful, isn't it? beautiful sunset or sunrise or it, it it's it's it, very strange intense um, is the word really isn't it it, it is that it's that intenseness that intensity and it is a, a it, there's something almost poetic about the fact that it is a focus on a point and that is a, a physical point of the end of a of an ice axe uh-huh. on a piece of rock somewhere it's a it's beyond my writing ability to be able to, to pen something on it, but it is an interesting angle on the, the focus that we have to give our, our sport to, 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 to make it succeed. Have
0: you read uh, Games Climbers Play? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah, one yeah. in there that kind of vaguely describes that, but it's in a rock, rock climbing context.
1: Um, I can't remember which one that is. It's, a it's, it's one that the so guy talks know.
0: about, he does like a 200-metre climb but there's only really one move on it that crosses ah, them that's each right. other. Yeah, 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 and yeah, he's like, yeah. oh, did I do 200 metres of climbing or did I do 10 centimetres of climbing? Yeah, that's right. It's I, the same It's
1: the same idea. It's about that focus.
0: I, I, love, I love that. I yeah, love that collection of essays, actually. It's, yeah, it's, it's really good. good. It's very thought-provoking at times as well. Um, so,
1: alpinism. What came first, winter climbing or alpinism for you? Um, What came first, winter climbing? That's a good question. Uh, both at the same time. I started time. climbing in the Lake District when I was 15, 16. Yeah. Um, joined the local climbing club, which was... The, which is now called the West Cumberland West Cumbria Mountaineering Club whole bunch of really enthusiastic people there um Bill Pattinson who I'm still in contact with Burt Jenkins Ian Angel Shirley Angel a whole load of people who I started who took me under their wing that's good um and this was living on the edge of the Lake District um and we started rock climbing the I started rock climbing the Lake District with them winter few winter climbs in the lakes um and I think when I was 15 me and a bunch of about five or six friends, fifteen or sixteen, got on a train, went out to Arolla in Switzerland, right, oh, nice. um, and started wandering around some some snow slopes in uh, in the Alps, and loved it, you know. Um, and then came back, and then went out the next year went to Chamonix when I was seventeen, eighteen, as a tradition. Then, as, then, when I was a student. Spain, what did you get done um, that
0: first season, do you remember? Oh, in Germany, what did we get done? Snellsfield. Got, so Snellfield. Absolutely. Did um, so you manage that traverse thing?
1: Yeah, I did, yeah. I it's haven't. good.
0: It's really uh, polished it's, now. It's very polished. This is, <laughs> yeah. this is in
1: 1981, I think, so it's yeah. a long time ago. Maybe 82. I look at pictures um, of
0: Snellfield and I just feel jealous. Um, it looks so good.
1: It was I I, I remember it being ah, oh, it's all the things that everybody remembers it for. Very, very communal, friendly. very yeah. smelly. Um, getting kicked off there by the gendarme every so often. Um, a chap called Walt Shipley, who sadly is no longer with mm. us, an American climber. Did a couple of attempted routes with him, which we failed on. Um, sitting outside a bakery with him drinking beer at nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Um, standard. Had a, an attempt with Mark Miller at a route on the back of one of the, one of the Chamonix wheels that I can't remember. We got one pitch up and it stormed. Um, we did myself and my climbing partner then Steve Adderley, We did, oh, we did the Midi Plan traverse. It was the first route we nice. ever did. We um, we did the Gerber City Pillar in our first winter season. Oh, we were, that's, uh, first alpine season. We we're quite that's pretty pleased good with going. that. Um, we had an attempt on one of the routes on uh, the uh, the Montblanc. Ta- on the other side of the Mont Blonde tackle on the, um, the in the mordi basin. One of the big ones um, from there. Yeah, we That's tried. Um, God, what was the name of them? Um, oh, the Sessional Session Session nominee. Right, yeah. Which we didn't even get to the bottom of. Um, we did uh, North ridge of the, uh, the Pain. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of lot of really good, really good fun fun things. Went down to the Calonc, did some climbing down there. Went the over to Handeg and did some climbing over there. So yeah, some. Some good stuff hitching everywhere, you know, studenty, Brilliant. slightly bummy climbing. So it was. Yeah, it was I've good.
0: I've done a few trips like that to load up three mates into the car, drive yeah. out, and then sleep in the woods for a couple of yeah. months. Yeah. Fantastic fun. It's
1: it's, you know, and spent oh, quite a quite a lot of seasons in the Alps. Uh, went over to the Dolomites as well. Um, did some nice routes over there, the um, Trechima, did the Yellow Edge. Yellow Edge, that looks uh, good. That was cracking, right? Really. That looks really it's nice. Got hit by lightning on the top, that was most impressive Oh, okay, really? Yeah. Tell us about that. Um, I was climbing with my pal uh, Chris Bolton, who I've not spoken to for, for many years now, and we climbed the Yellow Edge um, in this gathering storm, and we thought we'd better get to the top quick, literally got to the top, Um Chris was on the, on the top. Chris Popp was on top. And this this lightning storm was coming in. It was some big cracks of lightning. And Chris, I pulled over onto the top. And Chris said, we better be careful. We're a bit exposed. And he never got the word out here um, or up here. And the we were standing about a metre apart and with a block of limestone be, between us. And the block of limestone between us got a direct hit. And we were both kind of thrown back a couple of metres. No way. And... Uh, it was incredible sensation because we both thought, you know, I thought Chris was dead, he thought I was dead. We were both lying on the ground and um, we both managed to pick ourselves up, looked at each other. And it's <laughs> Chris had this fun, funky helmet on, but literally his hair was standing up on end underneath his helmet. Oh, I wish I'd had the, the wherewithal to take a photograph at the time, yeah. Um, but I remember being deeply scared by the whole style. We after are that. down very, very <laughs> yeah, but you flew down those roads. Um, and then went to the pub I think after that. Very wise, was, yeah uh, absolutely bought a lottery ticket. Yeah
0: um, so you you went and in I think it was 2012 was it you did the first scent of Dunlung Kangri.
1: Wow yeah jumping around a bit yeah that yeah. was um, uh, out into the uh, that was a that was a really cool trip um, Himalayas. Um, I went on my first trip to the Himalayas in 90, 95 92 um, is that right? Yeah 95 uh, no 92. And Malcolm and Julian Clamp and I and Steve went out to um, the Garwal Himalaya mm-hmm. and we made the first British ascent, second overall ascent by a new route of, uh, on the south face of a mountain called Yogeshwar, which was wonderful. We were learned so much. That was 6,600 metres. Uh, We learned so much from that. You'd hate
0: that that, because it's it's not so so ridiculously high that you're just blowing out your arse the whole time. Exactly, it can be actually technical and interesting. Yeah, it
1: was, and it was a it was a very objectively dangerous dangerous route, not particularly technical, but you know we were well chuffed. We actually thought we were making the first ascent of the mountain, but we found out when we got back to the UK that a team from Bombay. So so that was that was
0: 1992. 92. Were you married then? Um, Was I married then? Nope, I wasn't married then, so uh, no uh, kids at that point. No kids at that time. Would you? Do you think you would, knowing the objective dangers on it? Do you think now? You know, you're married, two kids, two businesses, responsibilities. Is that something that you would do now, or would you kind of do something else?
1: I, I have a, a big theory, a personal theory about my own degree of commitment to risk, and my own acceptance of risk, Robert. Which is, a fa- on one level, it's a fairly. It sounds fairly simple it's very complicated but on one level i think well kind of nobody loves me like i do like i i don't yeah. i don't want to i don't want to die i don't want to die in the mountains i don't want to get be killed in the mountains i don't want to step across that snow slope i don't want to um solo that route to x great i you know i don't want to slip off the bottom of a yeah boxy one there are so many ways there are so many ways it can happen potentially if you let there be and I think I'm relatively well attuned to the levels of risk and being married Tara and I have been married this year for 25 years um and and we've had kids they've both grown up and left left home or in the process of leaving home now um and I don't really think that my uh my attitude towards risk and what I'm prepared to do in the mountains has changed drastically. That's because, you know, I, I still don't want to be killed in the mountains. Yes. And I want to be killed in, in the mountains even less because I've got, you know, more dependents. But it, it's not like I would I wanted to be killed in the mountains when I didn't have those dependents. And I know on I see, one yeah. level that's a, a fairly simple way of describing it. They, they say yeah. that in terms of your, your kind of brain development,
0: I think for a man they say the amygdala, the sort of risk processing yeah, yeah. centre of the brain, kind of solidifies it around about 25. Yeah. That's when you reach your, you know, you now understand risk, hence why you yeah. your car insurance rates and things. Yeah, So, yeah. so I, I mean, I definitely know that I did dumb stuff in my early 20s that
1: I wouldn't do now. Is that the case for you as well? I... <sighs> I think so, but I've always done the same kind of dumb stuff. Right. Um, I'm trying to think of an example. Um, yeah, okay. You mentioned Dunlun Kangri. Um, Dunlun Kangri, um, we'd actually on that trip been out to... the Dunlun Kangri is uh, in the Siachen Glacier. Um, so it's in northwest India. Uh, so how do you get there? You fly to... Fly to Delhi, um, then you fly out to Leh, uh, and then it's a couple of days bus journey. Um, mm-hmm. To It's an interesting area because it's the area which is still disputed between Pakistan oh, and India. Oh, right, yeah, India. that's a pretty hot potato at the moment, um, I And we'd actually been applying for permission to climb uh, a mountain there called Remo 3, um, which has an amazing-looking southwest uh, face. Yeah, and we've been applying for permission to try and climb there for about five or six years. Uh, it's in a very an area that's really, really hard to get permission. Uh, we got permission there in 2012. Is that from the Indian um, government? Yeah, yeah, um, and we were trying Remo. Um, we were going to try it in um, fast and light style. We were. It's a south face, so we we're going to be climbing. Uh, plan was to climb at night. Move, yeah. So we would be climbing at night um, with no, with basically with a bivvy bag, uh, and that was it. Nice, so, like, single push commitment. Single push, three of us on it, um, minimal gas, minimal food, no tents, no sleeping bags. Um, the idea is you find somewhere sheltered on the, during the day, yep. um, sit and bask in the, in the warm sunshine, climb at night. That works. It when makes it's,
0: perfect sense, doesn't
1: it? It makes perfect sense if you've got stable weather and you're not going to get dumped on by a storm. If, if you've got unstable weather and you're dumped on by a storm, it's a seriously bad move, and that's what happened. So we were, we were stormed off um, Remo. We came back down. We were running out of time between when our uh, um, porters were going to come arrive. We knew we wouldn't be able to climb Remo because it wasn't going to clear that yeah. quick enough. But there was a beautiful... How high was Remo? uh 7,100 and something metres. Okay. Um, so switch your sights too. So there's a, a mountain that we'd been walking past um, between our base camp and our advanced base camp that looked really cool. Um, and it was sharp and pointy. And Everything you want them to be. Doable, we thought, in one to two days. We set up off it and first day was steep hill walking uh scrambly stuff to a really nice uh bivy and then we thought the on our summit day we would be able to just to go super fast super light um the three of us climbing um up and down in the day uh which is what we did um and then the next day came back down um the point about risk i was mentioning there to climb something there's some lower snow slopes ice slopes on uh yeah. on Dunglunk Kangri, which were probably uh, Scottish grade 2 to 3.
0: Because the, um, the overall grade that you gave for it, I think, is alpine ice 3, 700 metres from Bivy to the top, 1,200 metres from Glacier.
1: Yeah. yeah. So so on the summit day, there were some, we traversed around a couple of rock ribs onto these cool wars, which were pretty crappy ice, hard ice, um, and not much, uh, bits of rocky, rubbly ground on it as well. And it's the sort of ground that you could pitch and you could pitch and play screws relatively safely. You'd yeah. be there for days All right. and you don't want to be there for days. So you make that decision, okay, well, let's just solo it. So we solo, the three of us, were soloing it. And and you look back on that and you think, um, you really didn't want to fall off that. If no. you fell off that, you can talk yourself into and oh, maybe I could self-arrest, but there's no way you'd so, self-arrest. No. But we took that decision to to solo those lower ice fields, knowing what we were doing, so I think you know, a that thing. was a calculated. I think that's a, thing a lot of decision. climbers don't,
0: yeah. a lot of non-climbers don't get that sometimes going fast without a rope yeah. is safer because of the effect of objective danger and the sort of multiplier effect of time.
1: Yeah, but I think you know we made that decision. Oh, sorry, I made my own decision to do yeah. that. All three of us made the same decision. But if we're looking on a personal level, you're asking about level of risk and changes to that. I made that decision then. And I made that decision to that I was happy to solo these ice fields. And I think I would make that decision whether I was single, whether I had two kids, 10 kids, yeah. you know, been married last year or whatever. Yeah. I, I, it was a, a quite a cold, objective way of looking at that decision. Um, and I didn't make that decision based on, oh, what would Sarah think about it or... Oh, what would you know? My kids because you because
0: a personal interest in your ongoing life absolutely is stronger. That that makes perfect sense. And, it, and it's, now that you've
1: explained it to me like that, and it was in a really, it was in a really uh, dramatic situation as well. well and mm. there's actually a photo that I think it was either Paul or Malcolm took, looking down, and it's me on the snow slope, on this ice slope, and it's about a fifty degree slope. It's no more than that yeah. fifty, maybe sixty degree. Um, but this whole sweep of this cool one, dropping away from the glass here below. And me, this little figure in the middle. I mean, of this these 50,
0: 50 degrees yeah. kind of stuff, you know, you're not going to get mega tired and let go. No. You're, you can no. keep most of your weight on your feet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're going to keep
1: plodding away. Um, and when I sometimes look back, at, look at that picture, and you think, wow, that's... Was there good nevy on it, or was it? Um, yeah, it was pretty good. It was oh, pretty good. It was better some than patches of hard ice and, and some rubbly bits on it as well. But, yeah. but it's that point about making a decision... Feeling happy with that decision, and also constantly reevaluating it. And one of the things that Malcolm and I do, and, and uh, you know, all the climbing people that I climb with, especially on snow slopes, we, you know, I, we will we will always voice our feelings about a snow slope, even if it's like, well, of course we're okay with it. But so it's just like, so you're checking that your partner's yeah, aware how and, yeah. we're feeling about this snow slope. That's fine. Yeah, good because that's what I'm feeling as yeah. well. And sometimes we don't do that. Sometimes you know you know that people don't do that. It's a simple thing to do. It's it definitely
0: like, depends. Yeah. I mean, if you're climbing with someone that you've been climbing with for a long time and you're comfortable with, that's a, a great thing. But yeah. I think a lot of people say if you're climbing the route with someone and you maybe don't want to show any weakness in front of them, and it's that's
1: it's such a heuristic yeah. trap that isn't it? It's a massive heuristic trap it's to scary. fall into, and and it's it's quite easy. Well, it's a little bit of ego to overcome. Yeah. To uh, but you have to, to you have to that.
0: be aware yeah. of it. I mean, it's, yeah.
1: We've all been in in situations in the mountains, whether they're in the Himalaya, the Alps, in Alps in summer or winter, or Scotland in winter. That you think, oh shit! Actually, that's a bit of a bad call here, and the snow yeah. isn't brilliant. And let's get off it as quickly as we can. Yeah, or let's let's get out of this situation. So um, almost almost
0: zapped by lightning on top of uh, yeah, Trechinia. Yeah, yeah. Do you have you had any other any other close calls that uh, um, you think might be interesting for our listeners? I, I,
1: I've um, oh. I've fallen off occasionally and and mm. uh and and had um I I think I talked about this in the UKC interview um Malcolm and I were trying the first winter ascent um of a route on the the Aguil, the Chamonix Aguil, oh, wow. um which was a Bonnington um and uh I can't remember it's a Bonnington route
0: um Is that the one on the is it the Pelerin or the uh,
1: yeah it's on the it's on the it's the, uh, gee, I've forgotten the name of it now. How embarrassing. Anyway, we did make the first winter scent of it. Anyway, it's a lovely route. Yeah. Um, and, um, we were, it was on an early attempt, uh, on it and we were abbing back off and the, the rope stuck gathering storm on this little ledge. Relay wasn't great. Wind howling around, snow everywhere, pulling the ab rope down and the ab rope, we get the knot. Oh, so no. it's not stuck on the knot and the, but the rope then stops. And so there's no way of doing anything else apart from one of us has got to jump on that rope and got to got to get jugging back on that rope. So Malcolm started jugging back up this rope and I'm like, oh, my word, this is just not good. And I remember being really scared about the, the situation and the belay was crap. So I was belaying Malcolm on the rope. He was. Jugging up this rope into the into the literally into this storm And he was disappearing and it, and it was wind was howling, and I was on this ledge thinking, oh my word, what happens if? And I just started envisaging all the what this, ifs that water, everything, bad. all the bad bad what Like ifs. The rope that he's juggling up blows. Yeah. His weight
0: goes onto the bma, kills the bma, it's kills perfect. you all, kills both you away. both. We're both away. You're both dead um, man.
1: Yeah, um, and 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 it and it didn't happen that way. You know? No, um, and and we, you know, there there are often moments when when you know what to do and you know how to protect somebody climbing back up a rope and you've done everything that you can to make the situation as safe as you can. Um, but you've got to pull a little bit of something out of the bag. You know, we could have probably got rescued from there. Um, yeah. Do you maybe, carry a, yeah.
0: say you're somewhere with these remote, do you carry a PLB?
1: We, um, we don't, I don't carry PLBs in the Alps. Don't carry them, uh, just tend to carry a phone. Yeah, in the Alps. Well, no, yeah,
0: too. like on um,
1: When we're off out to the Himalayas, we will usually carry a sat phone.
0: Yeah, um, so you can get weather now, updates as well. And yeah,
1: the problem with with sat phones. I've done most of my Himalayan climbing in India, oh. and uh, you you're not allowed to take sat phones. Oh, really? Uh, absolutely not. I didn't know that. Um, and um. So technically, we don't carry a sat phone. No,
0: no, no. But we kind of carry
1: a sat phone in bits. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So
0: the mixed in the, amongst another jumble of things. Absolutely.
1: And, and, yeah, and PLBs are problem. getting more. So PLBs, as in personal locator beacons, being have, have become a lot more um, sophisticated even the last four or five years. So now. for
0: for listeners who are unfamiliar, yeah. uh, PLBs work on a kind of internationally used uh, frequency. Uh, the the ones that uh, seem to be becoming popular come from sailing, and sailors have been using these a long yeah. time for obvious reasons. But you can now get one for. You know, sub two hundred quid that lasts seven years or something with yeah. a battery, and anywhere you activate that in the world, the signal will be picked up and yeah. it will be relayed via via various channels. Yeah. So they're in, they're, they are they are a technology that's good to know about.
1: They're a great technology. They are. I think you've got to think carefully how how you use them because most PLBs are a one way communicator.
0: Yeah, it's just this person needs help.
1: Yeah. So. So imagine uh my wife getting a ping or people we'd nominated back home to to you know be the yeah. the the receivers of a of a of a plb message i think you've got to kind of think well what would that be like if you're sitting at home and your phone goes with a bleep message to yeah. say simon and malcolm need help and here's where they are it's like kind of what
0: do you do for one thing i'd be very careful about who i have as my number i have been very careful about who i have as my nominated people but also i would only ever use it if there was no way i could get out of there myself yeah it's like you know the shit has hit the fan rob is in extreme danger and will die unless he gets help that that's about the only time i would ever hit the
1: fan it is it's i mean it's all there's again there's about a 10 hour conversation about you know a lot of the recent um things we've seen in the himalaya um, of some really impressive rescues uh, predominantly by the Pakistani Air Force very high altitude um, you
0: know is that the ones where they're stripping the seats out the absolutely, chopper and these they're, really they're, dedicated and pilots and
1: those guys are doing an incredible job and we're rightly
0: um, UKC you know, Nat very really, did an article about this yeah. where basically she said you know, they've been getting a bit of stick for not doing X, Y or Z but actually these guys are at the top of their game they're, they doing, are they're working really hard to save folk absolutely at the top of their game
1: the, the, the availability of rescue now certainly in Pakistan yeah. is you you can never rely on it but but it is totally different than it was three four years ago uh, four or five so, years
0: so ago. recently um what's Tom Ballard and his yeah. uh, his partner they they died on was it Nana Parbat it was yeah yeah and the, the, they were unable to get any rescue help it probably wouldn't have got helped them anyway but they were unable to get any helicopters up because of conflict between uh, India and Pakistan And it right. had sort of yeah. reached a flashpoint at the time
1: yeah but it is interesting because it's you know, it's not been really tested in any other uh, Himalayan countries. Um, it, the, it,
0: the one, well, from Stephen Venables, the, you know, the a Slender Thread story, yeah, yeah, when he has yes, ab- yeah, Peton yeah. blows when he's abseiling yeah. and he, lying that he's injured. Yeah, they, they get, I think at the time yeah. it was the highest rescue by that type of helicopter. Yeah, And it was amazing, the pictures of it.
1: They're pretty cool, pretty cool. And that was the Indian Air Force. Um, I don't know the capabilities of the Indian Air Force now. I know right. they haven't been... Demonstrated that they can do the same things as the Pakistani Air Force yeah. have had to do, um, but I think it is an interesting, um, uh, an interesting kind of angle that it gives responsibility and rescue Aye. in in the Himalaya because you know I work on the pro, on the assumption that I, once I'm above base camp, then. I'm probably not going to be able to be rescued. I mean yeah that, that's the best um, assumption
0: to work on the worst case and it's assumption. It's a working assumption that yeah.
1: that you know I wouldn't want to have to um wouldn't want to have to test. Uh, I mean the two Russian guys who were literally yesterday came back into base camp on uh, on Janu uh on the uh, east face of Janu I can't remember their names they're Polish uh, Russian guys hard as nails. They spent 8 nine, ten days trying to make a winter ascent. Uh, of the east face of Jano, that is hard. Um, they then bail, but they were in constant communication, um, so they were able to be communicating with their base camp team. Yeah, um, and then they've spent the last five days descending the south ridge, uh, and yesterday some pictures appeared of them, you know, back at uh, back at base camp. Um, and so we can play out the or the, the the story can be played out now in a much yeah. more. We're seeing, We're seeing that. We're seeing that with things like the um,
0: Dawn Wall, with Tommy Caldwell and yeah, Kevin Jorgeson yeah, yeah. tweeting yeah. and sending photos. Yeah, it,
1: it's kind of, in a way, it's
0: cool because it, you know it lets some people participate yeah. and really see what's happening. It's, yeah. it's really cool, actually, in that respect.
1: I, I think it's incredible, and I'm, you know, I said I'm 56 years old. Oh, you know, I could do the when I started climbing. Yeah. it was you know, but it was it, well, it's no mobile phones, no mobile internet. No? Good luck getting conditions information. Yeah, it, but, it just. The the, and the the whole game has completely changed, especially when we think about winter, yeah. winter climbing, and we think about level of risk exposure in the greater ranges. And but I think it is such a cool thing. You know, it is such a cool thing that we can be closer to the what is actually happening. Yeah. Um, on a personal level, though, I I actually prefer not to have that. Kind of splurge and that that publicity bit until I've either done it or haven't. Yeah, um, that's just a personal thing. Yeah, um, and and I think you know there is a lot of pressure from people from a sponsorship point of view, yeah. from an ego point of view, um, and maybe from other angles as well. But you know the, there are, the opportunities there are, definitely are there. a
0: few a few climbers who maybe are quite quite good at playing the social 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 media card. And, I mean, you can. I guess you can understand, you know, they want to make a living, they want to do what they enjoy like right. anyone else. But I, I have so much respect for the climbers who, you know, they maybe are sponsored and they maybe do, you know, as much social media and stuff like that as they have to. But you can tell it's never for them, you know, it's never for their own ego boost that they're doing Absolutely. it. It's only I, for, you know, I need to tell people about this because otherwise <laughs> yeah. I won't be eating tonight.
1: I mean, I I... I... I'm in a very lucky position in that I've I've got I run two businesses. Yeah.
0: Um, So one is uh, Big Tree Camper Big Tree Camper Van. You rent out camper vans, and Um, that's quite
1: cool. And that we've been doing that for ten years now. Um, Another one is a Scottish Deli. Scottish Deli. It's a um, a specialty food shop, uh, specialty. Food restaurant and wine bar in uh, in Dunkell just up
0: the road. So climbers, if you've been in uh, at Upper Cave Crag or at Polney or wherever, you can uh, you can pop in and get some snacks there. I know that you're supporting high end winter climbing and alpinism, which thank is a worthy cause.
1: Thank you very much for that plug, there, Robbie. That's yeah. absolutely. Thank well. you to our sponsors. Um, what I was going to say, was I, but uh, you know, I we've got uh, you know, we I'm a I'm a full time husband, I'm a full time dad, I'm a full time businessman, um, and and I. I like to think I'm as full-time as I can be a climber as well. What did you do before the the businesses? I used to work for, I spent about 15, 16 years working for a big corporate, um, being an HR director for a big FTSE 10 corporate, um, being paid a ridiculous amount of money. Um, never seeing my it. wife, never seeing my kids, um, yeah. working ridiculous hours, and one day thought. Ah, that was based, 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 where? Ba- based in West Yorkshire and then based here uh, in right. Perth, in Scotland. Um, but. But never, I never, you know, never really enjoy, enjoyed the job, but yeah. didn't enjoy the context in which I was doing the job. But I, think, I love, I think love anyone, doing what I'm doing. I think that most people that have got to like
0: a good point in their careers and things, they have had a few years where they've had to grind yeah. and had to sacrifice. Yeah. So I'm kind of at that stage now with mine. I'm going to speak to Simon Richardson later today. I know yeah. he worked in the oil industry as an engineer. You
1: know, it's all about personal choice about how much time you want to spend. Yeah. It's always a balancing act. You know, I think I've described myself on my Facebook pages, you know, my objective is to be the, the best. Um, the best husband that I can be, the best father that I can be, and the best alpinist that I can be, but not always necessarily in that order, you know, yeah. and it and it does depend. Um, but I think I was just going to mention about sponsorship because I, I'm I'm lucky enough to be uh sponsored by Montaigne. And one of the really nice things, and what that means is, they they yeah, I test a lot of gear for them, and uh, they give me. Um, Andy Kirkpatrick's
0: and designing stuff for them right now. Uh,
1: not anymore. Not it's anymore.
0: No, no, Andy because I guys. I really like his sort of insight into, yeah. and you can tell that a lot of the pieces that Montana are coming out with, especially belay jackets and stuff. Yeah, they're like ah, that's actually been designed by a climber. Absolutely, because a lot of the ones that the sort of more fashiony brands are making at the moment. It says BLA jacket on the tin or whatever, but it's, yeah. you know, it's not big enough to go over everything and it's not got big. Absolutely. It's not got
1: big, it's sensible and easy hood and a yeah. sensible. And, but, you know, work, working, working with Montaigne is really, really good and interesting because they, that they, they want, they want our support. And Malcolm is also um, supported by them as well, yeah. sponsored by them as well. But what they they don't they've been very clear so they don't want us to be like whoop 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 you no. know we're sponsored by them they want information from you that will let Absolutely. you make, make the best product and, and so That's we're in a really cool. we're in a situation where we're working with somebody who yeah that that cuts down my the bill I've got to spend on on Excellent. on clothing. But it doesn't put us in doesn't put me or Malcolm in a position where we have to go and do things for them. No. And that's a really delicate and important balance. That's nice to um, have actually. I,
0: I guess what what they're paying for there isn't the social media exposure and stuff, it's the knowledge that you guys have accumulated. Yeah, absolutely. That's far more interesting, yeah. I think. Um
1: and and you know, they are a lovely, lovely company a very gentle and relaxed company to work that's with. That's good. As to well. know. Um
0: Oh, any right. any particular pieces or items that you've had uh, input into that you're particularly the their belay
1: jackets was was I, one of them yeah I'm, right. I spent uh, the many prism days the was prism there.
0: was kind of quite nice a bit I mean I would tend to go for a bit thicker I tend to go for like 200 fill prime yeah. loft yeah, yeah. there's
1: red. the uh, Spitfire belay jacket and then the latest one got it in a box over there somewhere um, is is a is a bit more of a chunkier heavier version of it oh that's good um, keeping things like their their gloves, really simple. Um, yeah. The, I like the Pylon so you know Pertex mitts.
0: Yeah. That have, per, but they've got like a wee bit of uh, thinsulate at the back. Absolutely. And they've got quite a yeah. chunky palm.
1: They are brilliant. I think I've seconded Tech 7 in those. They are oh, superb. And there's little things like, you know, I think for me in, in winter climbing, little things around clothing design make a difference, like having a fly zip. Which, is, which goes Up. underneath, which goes down a long way. Oh, aye. You try going... Yeah, because go the, you never you need, get the full length of zip. Absolutely. You need, you know, with a big tab on the end aye. of it and, you know, little things like that and retainer straps on gloves and keeping things as simple Missing as they as can. idiot-proof yeah. and
0: bomber yeah. and simple, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Um,
1: cool, we're jumping around, but this is really good. I'm enjoying this interview. Right?
0: Well, it's, uh, the whole idea is, you know, I get you to talk about all sorts of stuff. Yeah. So what about uh, plans for the future? Do you have any, any plans yeah,
1: spending the next uh, well, I'm going to the fracture clinic tomorrow yeah, to, oh, <laughs> for brilliant. my for my wrist uh, to see my. Um, to it fracture, was an open by fracture, by the way. There Ooh, was a bit but of yeah. sticking out, so it's quite a good call. You
0: can see your arm is still uh, there. the viewers. it's still it visibly different.
1: swollen. Doesn't work well on radio. This one, no. Um So there, and then starting rehab for that is, yeah. is a is a big thing. Malcolm and I would due out in the Alps in two weeks' time, where that's not going to happen. Oh, it's a shame. Um, we've got so basically, my winter season is is over. Um, my summer rock spring and summer rock climbing will be curtailed drastically by this so a bit um, of hill walking, focus on businesses and stuff hill walking well, focus on getting this better, getting the right um, levels of of you know good good diet and the right amount of um, protein input, and running a lot and Sounds Malcolm great. and I are. We've Got another trip out of the Himalayas in next year. Oh, brilliant! Well, yeah. Where are you going? What's to do? um, not sure yet. We're probably going to go out to one of our options is to go back out to the Gangotri uh, area, um, where there's a big mountain out there. We've been climbing the Garhwal Himalaya, yeah, on oh seven, eight, nine times. Um, and uh, to go out there, there's a big south face of a big seven or six thousand nine hundred meter mountain that wonderful that needs some attention. Uh, we may even look. At this autumn, late in the autumn, about a little recce trip out there um, ah, cool. to try and find how we get to the bottom of it. It's a long story, but it's okay. Well, One it yeah. of those complex ones. Nobody's quite worked out how to get to the bottom of it yet. Yeah. Um, Have you seen uh, is it Tom Nakamura's book? Yes, yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, cool. superb!
0: I love his uh, Asian Alpine e-news updates. Yeah, I always read them. It's really good,
1: it, and that's
0: he gets so much inspiration from them. Actually,
1: he, his his original set of uh, of photos, especially of the kind of uh, eastern Nepal area, yeah, um, it's probably 10 ten, twelve years ago now, was so in, maybe more fifteen, twenty years ago, was so inspirational. Um, so hugely influential and, about uh, getting that area people to go out into those areas. Oh, that's um, cool. And, and and yeah, there's a there's a Malcolm and I have a, a long list of Himalayan objectives that cool. will keep us well into our dotage years. Oh, that's yeah, brilliant. That's uh, good to know. Um, varying degrees of difficulty.
0: Well, I'll definitely have to ask you about that afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, I think I'll wrap it up there. Thank you very much for your time. No worries, man. I, no know, worries. It's a, I know it's a very valuable commodity, but it's been, it's been great chatting to you, and I'm sure our listeners will be very interested in uh, all, the stuff, all the stuff you've had to say.
1: Cool. Well, I've really enjoyed it as well, and um, yeah, hope it was useful. Spot on. Thank you. Cheers.